0: Everyone. My name is Emily Antonek, the voice of Julia Stonewash and many others here on Jollyville Radio. I have the pleasure of interviewing someone I have been creeping on Twitter for a while. Wait, no, that's a super weird way to say it. Someone I've been appreciating on Twitter and following for a while, uh, Jesse Stanchak of Micro Flash Fiction for today's community meet. So Jesse, tell us about yourself.
1: Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. This is this is an absolute pleasure. Uh, so. I got started writing uh, flash fiction. Um, I'm, I'm one of those people who always wanted to be a writer, but I have pretty bad uh, ADD and uh, a very busy schedule and uncountable half novels in drawers that I will never get back to. And uh, it's a, a longstanding source of frustration for me. Then, uh, you know, I had a kid and it got even worse. And in 2017, I was asked to give a speech at the retirement party for my my favorite uh, high school teacher, and uh, the the speech went really well. Uh, people enjoyed it, and I it was all about optimism and how the fact that the thing that I admired most about this guy, who I had kept in touch with over the the years, is that he never stopped growing as a person. He learned to play the mandolin and the piano and taught himself uh, uh, different languages as an adult. And very few people do things like that. And if, you know, the moral of the speech was that if you were sad to see him moving on from teaching, uh, you know, you could honor his memory by going out and do, doing the same thing. And halfway back to my house, you know, I'm driving along and it occurs to me that I am a total fraud. And I have not done these things at all. And uh, after uh, a couple weeks of having like a real existential crisis about this, I was like, okay, what can I do that I'll actually stick with? And there are uh, some creators online that I really admire who have had good luck with sort of creative forced marches, Um, you know if you're familiar with like song a day or Jonathan Colton's early work, you know, saying like, I'm going to make a thing a week or a thing a day or whatever. And I said to myself, okay, I can commit to writing a short story a day if it's really short. And, uh, and I have to do this in a public way so that people will notice hypothetically if I fall down on it. And, uh, there's a, another Twitter account that I really like, uh, by, run by, again, O. Wilson, uh, whose uh, Twitter handle is MicroSFF, Micro Science Fiction and Fantasy. And uh, I've been following him for a long time. And it's like, you know what? I feel like I could manage that. I could manage writing Twitter fiction. And my professional background is uh, I was a reporter in an earlier life, oh, and that's I cool. used to, yeah yeah I used to cover Congress, and I did what's called documents based reporting, and basically I would re- read these enormous federal documents, uh, GAO reports, and CAC C- super uh, enriching yeah, all,
0: yeah, all kinds of lively stuff. Stuff, yeah. documents yeah
1: <laughs> yeah and then like in a couple sentences tell you what actually happened in them and why you should care, oh, and wow. so and and then for a while I wrote. Um, newsletter summaries for a, a news aggregation company. And so being able to condense stuff is sort of in my blood. And uh, I said, okay, yeah, I can, I can do this. I can write really tiny stories. And um, it, uh, for some reason, I was like, yeah, in fact, this is so easy. I'm going to do three of these a day. And uh, I managed to do that every day without exception for five years.
0: Oh, wow. Um, That's yeah, impressive.
1: That's yeah, impressive. I, yeah, I made myself take a break, uh, this, this past July for, for a couple of months. And now I'm back at it again at a slightly lower pace. Um, just cause it was getting, it was getting to be a little bit stressful. Um, but yeah, I've written well over 5,000 of these things. And, uh, what, they are are self-contained short stories that are under 280 characters. and they're all different kinds. Um, I think the thing that distinguishes me from other people who do this is if you read like an, an O Weston short story, like they're all you know generally science fiction fantasy and they always have kind of like an upbeat tone. Or um, there's another account that I really like called Control Creep, and his are all really kind of dark and moody, you know, sort of Black Mirror esque stuff. And um, I can't be funny all of the time, and I can't be creepy all of the time. I'm an incredibly moody person, so um, especially because I'm doing it at this like really high volume, I ended up with sort of a Cuisinart, you know, blender approach to. Uh, fiction writing where everything, you know, is a different genre or a different style or a different approach. And some of them are really weird and some of them are more conventional and it runs the gamut. And, you know, what I ended up with after five years is sort of a a map of the inside of my mind uh, and all of the things that I'm obsessed with and think about all the time. Because, you know, if you're constantly trying to come up with new ideas or, or new things to talk about then you uh, you have to get kind of uh, in touch with you know your your subconscious and what's what's really going on there and uh, after after about four years of doing this in, in 2021 I put out a book of them. It's called Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was gonna awesome. say I have it. Awesome. It's very good. I cannot yeah. uh, recommend it enough.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep uh, going. I didn't mean
0: to interrupt, but I was well, like sure, oh, it's yeah. Really good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's called The Tyranny of Sand and Other Tiny Stories. Uh which um pretty much uh, as soon as I wrote the title story for this I was like, oh that's definitely what I'm calling the book because um both because I, I think it's a cool line but also because it's about um the way tiny things can gang up on you. Uh, which is metaphorically resonant for both the things that are in the book and the process of writing the book itself. You know, it's it's a uh, a sand dune of the mind.
0: Nice, awesome. Well, speaking of the book, yeah. how you the book is you you wrote you've written thousands of stories. Yeah, but it's two hundred and eighty in the yep. book, which I'm assuming yep. correlates with the yep. two hundred and eighty characters on Twitter. Yep. Um, so, how did you pick the two hundred and eighty?
1: Oh, that what was, was that excruciating. I, you know, if I were a wealthy man, I would have paid somebody else to do this for me. Um, I, you know, uh, it was it was like having to pick your favorite child. It was terrible. Um, and uh, so I, I self-published this. Uh, I, you know, I shopped it around and I eventually decided to go this other route after I had um, a literary editor who is a fan of, of my work and, and an incredibly generous uh, person named Janet Reed tell me basically you are never going to sell this because no one will ever know what to do with it. Like it's too many things at once. And I was like, Oh no, that's, that's fair. Um, and, uh, but, but I know what it is and I, I know how to talk about it. So I decided to just do the work myself and, uh, it involved basically, uh, exporting all of my, my tweets into a spreadsheet And going through and deleting initially all the ones that made me feel embarrassed. And then, you know, sort of winnowing it down slower and slower. And then at a certain point, it, it wasn't necessarily even about like, okay, what are the best ones in air quotes. Um, but it's about like making sure that it's representative of the Twitter account. Because again, like part yeah. of the, my whole shtick is that it's a lot of different flavors and a lot of different styles. And if I only did the sad ones or the the scary ones or the the, the funny ones, you might have a an incorrect idea of what this account was and what it meant yeah. uh, to me during that period of time. So it's organized into chapters Uh, A lot of people who've done books like this, it's either, um, you know, there's no structure to it at all, or um, it's more thematic, like, you know, it's, these are, you know, stories about, I don't know, Christmas, or they're, they're ones about, uh, you know, family or whatever, and mine are maybe a little more conceptual. It's things like... Yeah, I was going to say, you
0: have one, it was, what I, (laughs) sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but what I enjoyed about this book was like there was probably maybe 20, 30 per chapter. Yeah. And then the chapter would be totally different the next one. So it's like love and what we do for it. And then literally the next one is myth and monsters. And yeah. then, but just like all these random, like there was, it was almost like it was great because you had no idea what was coming next. Yeah, Like you read all these great stories that were really moving and just very impressive. And then you're like, wow, we're talking about something totally different over here. <laughs> like yeah, I, that's what I enjoyed about it. Cause it kind of kept me on my toes while I was reading
1: yeah, I um it, it also frankly gave me a way of warning people um particularly there there's a chapter in there called grief and other ways we know we're alive and those are all the saddest ones and you know like hey if, if if you're having a day where maybe that's not what you need don't read that chapter uh save that one for for another day you know which isn't to say that like all of the ones in all of the other chapters are are happy it's just like grief is always heavy and You know, it was a way of sort of like organically um, doing that. I've I've had a lot of people approach me on Twitter and say, like, I really wish you would do like content warnings for things. And like, in theory, I agree with it, but it just, it fights the format. So. Intrinsically, um, because I, like I would spend you know an entire tweet explaining what you're about to read, and then you would read it, and it I don't know it it would lose something. I wish you know like maybe you could color code them or um, you know allow people to filter things out sort of on their end, but it yeah it just isn't set up that way. But this is a way that I could give people you know a little bit of agency to say like I only want to read love stories right now. I, that's that's all I've got bandwidth for.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um- if you don't mind, I have yeah. actually selected some of my favorites from this, which is kind of like asking again, like picking a favorite child. It's impossible. I yeah. think the one that has stuck out to me and this is the one I went to. I was like, I actually remembered where in the book it was because I loved this one. I think this is actually my favorite. Um, so it's part of the I don't even know what section it's in. It's in your first section space and how we fill it. That's the last one in there. And it says, after the universe has ended, there is a small lump in the fabric of the space where creation used to be. Sleepily, the last cat pokes its head out, beholds Oblivion with begrudging approval, and curls back up to sleep. Like, I love that one. I don't know why. I think it's because it's the most cat thing ever. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But that, I mean, this is, but also I think what's impressive is how... Well, you tell a narrative in 280 characters. Like, I think that's also what has like kept me reading your, your work. Uh, so I guess what inspired, I mean, obvi- is there things, specific things that have inspired some of your stories sure. or anything mm-hmm. based on real life? Like any, uh, any examples you yeah, want to definitely. share there? Definitely.
1: Um, um, yeah. So I, I am a cat person. I have, I have two cats. Um, <laughs> what are their names? And for, uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Ferdinand and Isabella. Nice. Uh, Isabella's the smart one. Ferdinand's the stupid one. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I that I a lot of these I remember writing, and that one I absolutely remember writing. And it was uh, Ferdinand had done something really dumb, and I was like, you know, a, a lesser cat would have just died. Like falling off of the counter the way you just did, but you're fine. You're going to outlive the universe. And then I, yeah, just that metal image really stuck with me. And um, that was actually one of the very last ones that made it into the book. That was, that was a really, yeah, a hard choice. Initially, there was a whole chapter that was nothing but animal stories. And it, it felt both, um, It it, it was hard to kind of like make it a balanced experience because some of the the animal ones are sad, um, and some of them aren't, and and, and, and but they also, um, my output lens very heavily toward cats, and I didn't want people to feel like I don't know it was just it was just cats. Um, It's funny you bring that up. The one that I published right before uh, we we sat down to talk is about somebody who's a dog assassin. Um, oh, yes. Oh, okay. Like yeah, an, an assassin just for dogs. So yeah, exactly. I, I'm not no, anti-dog. It just turned out that way. Um,
0: <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. Um, that's great. I can read it if you want. I have it right no, no. in front of me. Uh, As a, if, if you want. Oh, it's up to you. Okay, sure. All right. As a dog assassin, Ducamp does not judge. Each client comes with a story and most are not about the dog. It's often enough to make the client just believe the dog is dead. But some owners want to dispatch a sick pet without having to be there. Only those truly tug at her heart.
1: Yeah, um, that. Like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, that actually came just from the idea. Uh, so Ferdinand, the, the stupid cat, is getting old and sick, and like we're not at that point yet, but we're, we're we're getting closer to it. And I was I was thinking about how like in a in a moment of weakness, like I, I wish that like. Yeah, I could hire uh, the Viper to take him out when uh, I, I won't be suspecting it. And then, you know, uh, the grief could come um, by surprise because cats, you know, and dogs and all pets, they can't understand when you're saying goodbye. Um, and that's that's heartbreaking. But uh, obviously, that would be that would be selfish. I would never hire uh, a cat assassin.
0: That's fair. That's good. Thanks for clarifying for our listeners.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Not not,
1: not pro-pet murder.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. got put that one out there. Go yeah. make that one clear. Um, yeah. So kind of shifting away a little bit. So some yeah. of your stories, I've, you, you touch different topics and things. And has there been a story where you intended it to be funny or sad or something, oh, yeah. but you realized the audience interpreted it in an entirely different way? Um mm-hmm. Do you have an example of that, or, or like? Yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah. There, there, there are a couple of, uh, instances like that. Um, there are, uh, so, so on one end of the spectrum. Uh, once I told the story about um, the intimacy of explaining a scar, and how, um, in some ways, that. Depending on what the story is, that can be more intimate than kissing somebody. And I had somebody who was um, apparently disfigured come to me and be like, hey, the way you describe that is accurate, but it is also a little bit like exploitative, I guess. And like, uh, I was like, huh. Wow, I've, you know, I did not, I didn't, I was really thinking about this, like in an intellectual way. Um, and you know, that is, that is your lived experience. And that is, it's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that with me. And I apologize to them. And I asked, you know, like, Hey, do you want me to take that down? Like, does that bother you? And they said, no, I just like, I want you to sit with that and think about it. So, you know, that's cool. Um, the flip side of that, uh, you know, is, um, you know, and I, I'm a big believer in, in never telling people that they're wrong about your work. And, um, you know, my, my stock answer uh, when people are like, oh, you know, does uh, does X mean Y? I always say, uh, all versions are canon. Like, if you believe that that story is the way that that, you know, plays out, then that's true for you. Um, the thing I'm probably best known for is a, a story about vampire missionaries. And, you know, periodically people will ask me, like, are the vampires? actually going to eat the person who answers the door or are they actually you know just sort of like trying to spiritually enlighten people about the word of dracula and like i don't know it genuinely is up to you and all versions are canon i don't want the authority of of saying that finally that's why i ended the the story where i did uh you know and sometimes people will read things into my stories that I didn't mean at all that like make me really, um, make me happy. Like they'll, they'll, they'll see a joke that I didn't intend or, you know, it'll, it'll bring out a meaning for them that, that I didn't intend. One thing that always makes me happy is, um, so a, it's not a, a commercial for this. I happen to be a religious person. And while my fiction is not religious, it just sort of, if you're drawing a map of the inside of your mind, you know, that's going to be part of it. Sure, And, you know, there are absolutely religious stories on the account, but they're not again, they're not commercials for my particular belief system. And occasionally I will have people who are not uh not of that persuasion, you know, say, like, I really like this one. Like this is this really speaks to me. And it's really and I know from talking to them or from their bio that like, you know, they're they're They've got a different outlook on the world. And it's cool to me that like I was able to make something coming from this place where we are diametrically opposed, but we could kind of meet in that space in between and share an idea. Um, There's one about um, someone being given a color uh, that I think is in the book. And in my mind, and this is not explicit to the story in my mind, the speaker is God and it's somebody saying like, you know, Like literally this color reminds me of you. And that would be like such an insane thing to hear. And I've had a lot of people tell me that like that one is meaningful to them. them, And it reminds them of like thinking about maybe getting to talk to a a loved one who has passed for the last time, maybe. Because, again, it's written in a very oblique way. And, Mm. you know, that's that's a very human approach. It's a completely different uh, way of thinking about that story. But I, I don't know. I love that. Art is one of the, I guess, the last ways that we have of talking to each other um, in areas where we disagree.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I'm just going to let that sit for a second because that was such a great uh, comment. Um, What advice do you have for people since you've been doing this for five years and you took a little break and you've come back who want to kind of dabble in it? But again, they have the half written novels or the things like what advice do you have for them since you've been in that position? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, a, couple, a couple of bits of advice um, in no particular order, we'll talk about productivity, we'll talk about technique, and we'll talk about the Internet. Cool. So productivity, um, I think commitments are good saying you know to people like i'm gonna do this x number of times uh a day every day no matter what and like i got covid and was still writing these things oh wow um,
0: good for you like you of, know kind of impressed yeah. Yeah. yeah i don't you know like,
1: how to feel about you that. know uh, <laughs> you know you know i, I was writing them you know literally you know in line yeah. at disneyland uh Th- those those are different days i didn't have coveted
0: oh yeah I was just
1: but yeah like good days bad days doesn't matter like i was yeah. doing this and um honestly i was a little scared that like if i stopped having kind of that unbroken chain of days that like it would fall apart and it hasn't um but uh i think initially giving yourself sort of a commitment that is public is a really great way of making sure that you do the work, right? I'm a big believer that you have to tell bad stories in order to eventually tell good stories. And if you went all the way back to, you know, when I started the account, like, almost all of the early ones are really bad. I think it takes me about six months of writing three of these a day before, like, I'm like, Oh yeah, that, that, that's a good one. Um, you know, there, there are like one or two maybe in the book, uh, from, from the first six months, but you know, it's uh, not a great success rate. And again, I'm doing this publicly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, trying to get people invested in, in, in a project when like I'm very clearly still figuring out what I'm doing. So yeah, I, I think if you want to do it, you know, throw your, throw your, your, uh, your head in the ring, and get, um get explicit about it tell people this is what i'm going to be doing and uh then it you know you have some you expect something of yourself uh in that way secondly talking about technique um i think the biggest problem that a lot of writers run into and i don't just mean writers of fiction i mean like people who write emails Uh, you know, to their coworkers. Um, I think one of the biggest problems that people have in writing is that they don't know what they're actually trying to say when they start. Okay. That is the key to writing short is knowing what are you actually trying to convey? Because, you know, if, um, if I wanted to, I could have spent um, that story about the dog assassin. I could have spent that whole time talking about different ways to, uh, to kill dogs. True. That yeah. doesn't, but that doesn't get at the point of it. Like the fact yeah. that they're a dog assassin is in the service of something. Yeah. Um, so you can be, it, it forces you to say the format forces you to say what is actually important to me here. What is the key? What is the heart of it? And to drill down on that, um, and that you know I, I do write longer pieces of fiction. I do write longer things, and that is exactly as true in longer stuff. If you don't have that intention, if you don't have that sense of like, what is this story actually about, um, you're going to end up wasting a lot of people's time. And frankly, this, is, this doesn't come up as much with with tweets, but with longer pieces, you get into structural questions, yeah. and uh, that all kinds of fall kind of falls apart when you don't, you don't know what you're actually trying to say. And then lastly, just a bit about the internet. Um, If you're trying to make art in the round, if you're trying to do this in a way where the creation of the art is public, you have to develop coping mechanisms for that. Um, You know, we talked a little bit about people um, uh, coming up with different interpretations of stories that I've written. And there are absolutely um, instances where people have misrepresented things in bad faith. And if I let that get to me, it would destroy me utterly. Yeah. that is part of why i started saying um all versions are canon to people that's fair because it frees me from the expectation of you know thinking that everybody's going to understand what i meant mm-hmm. and it also frees me from the expectation that i have you know i have to correct you if you get something quote unquote wrong True. um yeah. because yeah it doesn't belong to me anymore it's it's often in the world and it has its own life that is independent of me
0: Nice. Awesome. So I got to ask, are you going to come out with another book?
1: Yeah. Um, I've, I've been thinking about this and I think I want to do it. The question is, okay, how do I do it in a way that isn't just a, like, a I, I, I don't want it to be a direct sequel. Like, exactly the same format but then like
0: i mean you could i would yeah. i would read it i would read literally yeah. an exact like with 280 different stories i'd read the i'd read it again yeah. same, same format i'm for
1: it i appreciate that but yeah i appreciate that so yeah i it was it was fun to do it was a, it was an interesting challenge it's just a question of like okay what what's the best way to to you know outline stories or to put uh to put something interesting into the world
0: nice Cool. Well, how can people how can people find you online? How can people get connected?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I'm real easy to find at MicroFlashfic on Twitter. Uh, my DMs are open. I'm extremely easy to get a hold of. Um, I love talking to people.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story about your stories. Um, I appreciate it. So this has been great, uh, and I look forward to kind of seeing what else you create. Like, every day. So, thank you again for coming. Uh, and for everybody, uh, for our listeners, thanks for listening to this community beat. This is Emily Ansneck, and you've been listening to Jollyville Radio, KJVR.
2: Hello, Michael Crosa here. I wanted to give a big thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show. So I've mentioned before that Jollyville Radio was a very large piece of my coping strategy during the isolation of the pandemic. That's true, but there were also other pieces. BetterHelp was one of those. It was a part of my support network during that time. You see, BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable. That could be text, chat, phone, video call. You can message your therapist at any time and then schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. There's more scheduling flexibility, and it's at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com Jollyville. That's BetterHelp.com slash Jollyville. The cast of Jollyville Radio Season Five includes Emily Ansenick, John Cook, Michael Crosa, Robin Crosa, Michelle Darcy, Jamie Davis, Richard Dayries, Johanna Fredrickson, Brian Green, Elissa Marks, Liz Rader Hagler, Matt Waite, and K. Wise Denti. Our
0: Season Five Writers Room: Emily Ansenick, Michael Crosa, Jillian Dahl, Brian Green, K. Wise Denti, Liz Rader Hagler. And a thank you to our editors who make this podcast jolly Michael Crosa, Jamie Davis, and Richard and Monsey Davies.
2: Season five is directed by Michael Crosa with help from assistant directors Jamie Davis and Emily Ansenik. Music by Michaels Crosa and Stanley. Additional editing and graphic design support from Worker Genix. This podcast was produced by Chattanooga Podcast Studios. Find out more at Studios.com. For KJVR in Jollyville, I'm Jimmy Pie Crust. We'll see you next time on Jollyville Radio. Proud member of the Podnooga Network.